You're listening to Faith with Friends podcast, where we talk about faith, relationships, and spiritual growth. Welcome to our circle and the conversation where we seek to know God and make Him known. Now, here's your host, Lisa Lorenzo. Welcome back, friends. Today is Therapy Thursday, and I'm joined with Dr. Lydia Martinez. Welcome, Dr. Martinez. Hi, thank you for having me, Lisa. Thank you. So today's conversation is a little different. We've been talking about toxicity in your life and your emotions. And today we're going to have a discussion about how that toxicity can kind of leak into your marriage. And we're going to be referencing Dr. Gottman. Uh, Dr. John Gottman. We're going to be talking about um, his, some of his writings and about learning about divorce can prevent your relationship from making the same mistake and rescuing it from mistakes you've already made. So it's a tough conversation, but I think it's a very important one. So let's go ahead and dive right in. Okay, so uh, Dr. Gottman wrote a book, it's called The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work. And his idea is that, you know, there's two sides to this coin, you want to make your marriage work, you got to know what doesn't make it work as well. And in this book, he lists six things that can predict divorce. And we're going to talk about those, but we're going to talk about those from uh, a biblical perspective. We're going to talk about them to see what the Bible says about them and how you can be pointed to the Bible and to God to find um, biblical resources to help you figure out what you need to do, or maybe we can point you in the right direction. I think to start off, we should just go ahead and remind people what marriage is and in genesis 1 verses 27 and 28 it says so god created man in his own image in the image of god he created him male and female he created them god blessed them and god said to them be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth so the first point that dr gottman says in his book is he says that it's the way we talk the way we talk is so important and he says that 96% of the time, Dr. Gottman says that he can predict the outcome of a conversation just based on the first three minutes. Okay. And what does that mean that, you know, if you start with respect, you're going to end with respect, you're going to feel respected. It's, it's like a snowball in the right direction. I think your tone has a lot to do with that too. If you come in hot and you have a nasty tone to your voice, usually the other person's going to right away be defensive or protective. Correct. And that includes your, it it does include your tone. It includes criticism or sarcasm. And that's called a harsh startup. He calls it a harsh startup. So these are one of the predictors of divorce. So what does the Bible tell us about how we communicate with each other and respect versus what he's saying? Doesn't it feel better? just right off the bat, talking to someone nicely, a nice tone, not being sarcastic, not being critical. It's important that we, we have that respect with each other because that harsh startup, that is one of the indicators. And you don't want to have that in your marriage. Proverbs 15, four says that gentle words bring life and health, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. And Proverbs 16, 24 says that kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy to the body. So we clearly see in the Bible that our words are important to God and important to others. 
Yeah, they're very important. I mean, from an emotional standpoint, I sure want honey. So Dr. Gottman also says that there are certain negativity that really more than just a harsh startup. Okay. So, so maybe you have a, a bad morning, maybe you answer each other in a bad way, but if you can recognize it and stop it, then you can turn that in a, that, that train around from negativity into positivity, but there's, there's more. Okay. There's the four horsemen. And we've talked about the four horsemen and this isn't the biblical four horsemen. He talks about the, the four horsemen of communication in a marriage. And these are criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. We've explained them in, in other talks, but it's really important that, that this kind of negativity, you don't want to be critical. Contempt is when you think you're better than someone. Defensiveness is probably on the other side of contempt. And stonewalling is just shutting people down completely. So th- that is just like a, a less than two minute definition of each one. But again, it has to do with communication and respect. So the biblical references that you gave are very important. And another one that I can think of is a soft word turns away wrath. Sometimes we're on the other end of it. Sometimes yeah. it's coming at us and we're like, whoa, wh- where did that come from? You know. don't just jump in fighting fire with fire, slow down and try to maybe ask some questions or pray before you answer. That's a tough call. Yeah. I'm reminded of Ephesians 4 29 that says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only that which is good for building up that it may give grace to the listener. So right there, we have three great principles from God's word. Don't don't say the nasty stuff. Don't let it come out of your mouth. Use your words to build others up and season it with grace. And we're not saying this because it's going to change the entire situation, but it's going to change the person who's listening to you. And let's say they don't. Let's say you you speak kindly and you have your heart is aligned with God and you're speaking truth and they don't accept it. Isn't it better for you to walk away knowing that you did your best to honor God in that conversation than going in for the kill, which we can all do. We can all go in and we, you know, we know how to hurt the people that we love the most. So we can use our words to tear people down again, or we can use our words to build them up. And a person that feels built up and safe is going to be more willing to hear you and consider what you're saying. Amen. And I have to tell you that Dr. Gottman says that as well. You know, he says to be kind. Kindness is one of the fruits of the spirit. And it is so important, especially in a marriage, learning to fight fair or anticipating your needs, your partner's needs. You don't need 40 years of research. He even says it. You don't need 40 years of research to tell you that these are good strategies for loving one another. So that, I mean, I think that the Bible has a lot, a lot of resources for us to lean on. And if you have to start somewhere, I, I would go to Proverbs. I think that there's a whole, they're so rich with such wisdom there to help you yes, to absolutely. overcome some of this. And, and I mean, those are just, it's just the, the tip of the iceberg of resources available. So Dr. Lydia, let's say somebody is stonewalling. So let's say somebody were in an argument or a discussion and the person just shuts down completely, is not willing to hear me anymore, not willing to listen to what you're saying. In that moment, you feel frustrated, you're emotional, you're agitated. What do I do? What, what, what tools can I use? What's a good thing to do in that moment to turn the situation around or at least hit pause? Okay. 
hitting pause is called practicing self-soothing. And what that means is when you are being hit in a, a, a bunch of directions, and I'm just talking about verbally being hit. I'm, so I'm not talking about physically being hit. You have to step away and you have to gather your thoughts or give yourself a moment. He did another study too. And I think we talked about it before where he had this, these couples come in. He would, he would have them argue and they would get in these heated discussions. And then he would purposely interrupt and he would say, oh, I'm sorry, we're having problems with our recording. And so we need you to stop arguing for a second here. Why don't you read these magazines? And they would time it and they would go, okay, you know, if it's about 20 minutes later, it's okay, we're back on. But there was never really any kind of tech difficulty. He wanted to give them a pause. He wanted to distract them for a little bit. And he was like, okay, now you can continue talking. And it was a different conversation because they had time to think. They had time to process. They had time to defuse. I mean, even just taking a pause will help. His next indicator of problems in marriage after knowing the four horsemen and harsh startup is flooding and flooding is like, I think we're all guilty of a harsh startup here and there. I think we're all guilty of a little stonewalling or being a little critical, but that's a little right here and there. A harsh startup is different than flooding. Flooding is like repeatedly, you know, you're in, in lock mode. You just continue to do the same negativity over and over and over again. And um, that's what you're saying. You know, what do you do? What can you do when this pattern has been just going on and on and on and on for years? There is no one right answer. Taking a pause, taking 20 minutes where you can gather your thoughts, uh, scheduling the discussion for another time. I mean, that's only the beginning. You may be at a point in your relationship where you do need to seek some professional help or even go to your pastor or go to your church elders. If you're not part of a church, you may even go to a, a therapist. There's a lot to be said for speaking to a trusted friend who you know yes. is a Christian, who you know is going to give you biblical advice. But I do want to warn that this should not be, I'm going to call them every time I have an argument to let them know what an idiot my husband is, or just to complain about my husband. But when you're really have prayed about it and you want to ask like, Hey, am I wrong? And I don't seem to be getting through. What do I do next? You're, you're seeking counsel. You're seeking advice. You're seeking wisdom. Hopefully by then, by the time you get to that point, you've already prayed about it and been in constant prayer. You're in the word. You're seeking God's wisdom through his word. You're getting to know God better. And then if you don't have a friend that you can trust, if you don't have a church, then it's time for you to find a church so that you can seek out people, godly people, godly wisdom, godly relationships in your life. And now you have somebody that you can come alongside and say, I, I need some help in my marriage. And it's not you venting to a friend about your husband. It's actually you seeking help. Right. How do you know when to seek help? which the next one talks about the next one of his predictors is body language. When they monitored couples, Dr. Gottman monitored their bodily changes. And he said, you know, he could measure people's blood pressure. He could measure their heart rate. There's hormonal changes that happen too, but you, you can't measure those like in the moment. And he said, when that happens, you, your productivity, your problem solving, it just goes kaput. You go to nothing, yeah. you know? So you know, I, I repeatedly say, don't make any decisions when you're under any kind of emotional distress. You know, I think that that is just number one. 
And, and that's hard. That's hard when you're all your emotions are vamped up or pumped up. You're angry. You don't want to let that thing fall out of your mouth. You don't want to let something come out that you just can't take back. Exactly. You know, what, what does the Bible say about anger? What does the Bible say about making rash decisions? Psalm 86 verse 15 says, but you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious. You are slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And it also tells us in verse chapter 14, 29 of Proverbs, whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. What does that mean? That means when you're slow to anger, you're going to gain wisdom and understanding. You're going to be able to work through what you're going to say and think about it and consider the outcome. But if you're angry and hasty and you have a strong temper, you're going to make foolish mistakes with your words, with your actions, and in your relationships. What does that tell us? Slow down. Don't make any kind of decisions. I mean, the Bible is totally supporting what Dr. Gottman's book is saying, and that's 40 years of research. It's it's so interesting to me how the Bible, biblical references, we can find that totally support what his research says. It's our answer book. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. It really is. Um, He also says in Gottman, after body language, he says, there's failed repair attempts. What does this mean? He can predict the divorce by just listening to one conversation. He can say, you guys will be divorced in 15 years after listening to to just 15 minutes. That's, That's pretty strong, okay? So the way we communicate with each other is very important. What is a failed attempt, a repair attempt? The idea is that you don't wanna go in and try to fix the problem. You wanna get back on track. And the difference is you're going to always have problems. So you're not in there to be the mechanic, the fixer upper. You just want to make sure that you get back on track. You want to have some grace and some mercy. What does the Bible say about grace and mercy? The definition of grace is undeserved forgiveness. How many times are we supposed to forgive according to the Bible? It's Isn't it? I don't have it memorized and I should, but it it should be like seven times seven times 77, right? Right, Exactly. We're reminded that grace and mercy is not a word that we're taught by reading. It's a word that we learn by experiencing. And when we experience the grace and mercy of Jesus, we are then called to extend that to others. And I think what you said, that quote that you just read, that a failed attempt of repairing or recovering from that that doesn't mean you don't want to try to make that situation better. I think one of the most powerful things that we can do as women is take full responsibility for our part. But I mean, take full responsibility. Right. Don't say, well, I said that. I'm sorry I said that, but you made me mad. Or I'm sorry I did this, but you did this. You know what? I recognize that I'm really failing in this area. This is not the woman I want to be. This does not give an example of my faith. So I'm going to be working on changing this part of me. And I, but I want to take full responsibility and apologize and say how regretful I am that this has occurred. Then extending that grace and mercy where you're not expecting the same conversation in return, but you're actually like, even if that person doesn't change, I want to change because I don't want to keep doing these things. I think that that's a place where we now shift on how can I change my husband 
or my partner or my friend or my kids or my parent to, Lord, help me to grow. Help me not to, I don't, I don't want to react anymore to situation in the same way. I want to be able to respond with grace and mercy. That's a great prayer. That's a great goal. And that's something that's measurable. You can see with each conflict, if you're responding a little slower, with more patience, with more kindness, with more grace and mercy. According to Gottman, the repair, he has a repair checklist. Ultimately, a repair is about the rules. Okay, you have to set up these rules, but again, you have to have respect. You have to be able to talk to each other ahead of time and prepare for this. Right. He has a library of interventions and in, it includes a repair checklist. Um, and I do recommend that you look it up. Um, I think it's a great resource. Uh, like, for example, when you say to your husband or he says to you, calm down, that never works. Uh, if that never works for you, then don't use it, you know, but he gives you uh a whole plethora, a whole list of things to be able to, to set up your argument parameters so that you, when you do argue that there's some respect so that you follow them. I think it's, it's worth looking up just like it's worth looking up a lot of biblical scriptures that we're given. Sometimes we just don't know how to repair it and we just need the right tools, just like a mechanic. You know, I, I wouldn't send my my car to an air conditioned mechanic, I would send my car to a car mechanic, right? I wouldn't go to the doctor to say, Hey, can you fix my car either? You know, I you go to the right person for the right job, the right tool for the right job. And I think that the Bible is a great tool. And so is this repair checklist. I think that's a great idea. And also my pastor always says, if self-help books worked, there would only be one, but right. every year there's hundreds published. So I think trying to do this on your own. In other words, just reading, just educating yourself can help a little, but if you really want to seek healing, not only in your marriage, but first and foremost in your heart, in your heart, then that's where you pray and spend a lot of time on your knees, talking to God about the way you're responding, the way you're reacting, the way you're feeling, what you're going through and asking him, Lord, help me change me grow me, mature me. Those are prayers. Make me more like you. Make me more like you as a prayer. He will always answer. He wants to make you more like him. So I think starting any effort to repair your marriage and to make yourself um, more Christ-like should always start with prayer because it's the Holy Spirit that gives us the power, the leading, and the understanding to make these changes. Mm -hmm. That's great. I think that that's a good place to start. And then the sixth indicator that can prove if you're going to go into a, a divorce is bad memories. What does that mean? You know, every relationship starts happy and in a honeymoon period. And, you know, eventually you start to fall into um, some arguments, discussions, some trauma, some, you know, just developmental things, just life, right? And it is not just the memory but how you remember these things and how you deal with them. So the struggles between you isn't the problem because every relationship is going to end up having struggles. It's how you deal with them and how you remember them. He has another resource. It's, you can conduct your own oral history where you can seek to see what you've been doing in your past. You can see how if there's some kind of a 
a pattern that you can figure out what's happening and so that you can go back and help yourself. If you can't help yourself, if you've gotten to that point where you feel like there's just, you're at that point of no return, then it's time to seek help on the outside. One thing with memories is, are you holding unforgiveness in your heart? Are there things that have happened that you're still holding unforgiveness? And forgiveness doesn't mean that you approve or accept what's been done to you or what has happened. Forgiveness is you releasing that person, releasing the debt owed, right? Even if they don't ask you for forgiveness, you can forgive them. That's your choice. It's in obedience out of God because of his forgiveness of us. But I just heard this quote yesterday that forgiveness is giving up all hope for a better past. Wow, that's that's a good one, which is completely opposite of contempt, which is one of the four horsemen. And contempt is where, you know, that sarcasm, that condescending kind of talk. Bitterness. Yeah, exactly. A hardened heart. And we want to do what we can to soften our hearts. And how do we do that? We turn to God, to the Bible, or whatever resource we can get our hands on so that we can better our marriage. This is a tough talk. It sure is. I'm just going to review them for you. The six signs of harsh startup, talking rough right at the beginning with some negativity, some um, criticism or sarcasm, you're, you're headed in the wrong direction. So turn it around. You know what you need to do. The opposite of that is not being negative, not being judgmental, not being critical. The four horsemen, those are, uh, you know, criticism, contempt, defensiveness, stonewalling be kind. You know, love is kind. Love is patient. Love doesn't boast. It's not proud. That's the scripture. First Corinthians 13, four through eight, you know, and another great resource for that is, which I just purchased is the love dare where it's a 40 day devotional. And it teaches you one way, one expression of love every day. It challenges you. One thing that I've learned recently, and I've challenged others to do is to get out a notepad and write down two or three things that you like about your spouse and then keep that list handy and read it to them often. Yeah. Because we're quick to tell them what's wrong. We're it's usually a great start. to complain to, I don't like, this is disrespectful. This is this, but how many times do we actually use our words? Like we learned in the beginning to build them up. It's not just not tearing down. It's our words should build them up. Yeah, I agree, Lisa. And a repeated pattern of negativity is flooding. You don't want flooding in the wrong direction. Flood them with positivity. Exactly. Flood them with encouragement. And and the fourth one is body language. And remember that it affects you physically. Eventually, it's going to affect you physically in a negative way. So so use that as a an indicator so you can have more awareness. So you can have productive problem solving instead of negativity. Yeah. I just challenged a friend this week. If you're having a problem with the tone in your voice and you're not sure how to make an authentic, you, you just, she doesn't know how to say it nicely without it sounding fake or too critical. And I said, you know, how about when you're sitting next to them on the couch, before you start the conversation, hold their hand. It is difficult to be mean to somebody when you're holding their hand, you're going to be a little kinder. They're going to receive that in a different way when you're, when it's not threatening, when it's not attacking, when you're just, you know, sharing your heart kindly with a lot of, like I've learned from Dr. Lydia, I statements, I feel this when you do this, 
I would appreciate it if we would try to, we, right? We're moving forward. We would try to be kinder to each other or be a little more patient with each other. And that is a tough call. However, there in one of his predictors, number five is the failed repair attempts. We can't give up. We have to find a fair way to repair our marriages. And it starts with our communication. And you can check out his repair checklist. He has many interventions. He has a whole library of them. So does the Bible. And if you can't get it from a resource like that, then then try to find, you know, a living person, either a pastor, a wise count, they can give you wise counsel or an elder or, or get counseling. And then the last one is, you know, always dredging up bad memories. Sometimes we have to get counseling to process those, learn to forgive, search our hearts, make sure that we're, that we are giving out the same kind of mercy and the same kind of grace that was given to us. And if just imagine if you just tweaked your marriages just a little bit in the way of communication, how different it would be, how much more hope there would be. I think that it's worth looking into. What do you think, Lisa? Absolutely. And I just want to say in closing, one thing is believing the best in others. I think that when we get into a bad part in our marriage where it's kind of spiraling, we just tend to always be on edge and everything that's said, we're listening for the negativity in it. And I think that for us to be able to stop and say, you know what, I'm going to believe that that's, I'm going to take them for their word. I'm going to believe that that wasn't done intentionally to harm me and loving one another. John 15 verses 12 and 13 said, this is the commandment, my commandment, that you would love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. So if you're needing a new dose of love, open the Bible, read about Jesus, read about what he did for us. Look at his love demonstrated through the word. And that's how he says we should love one another as he loved us. So let's get back to the basics where we're receiving love from God and being able to freely give that love out to the people that should mean the most to us in our lives. Amen. So Dr. Lydia, how can people reach you? We have it in our notes, but there's a lot of people out there who are really struggling in relationships and marriage. And if somebody is listening now and saying, you know, I've been going through a really hard time, I'm at my wit's end. I don't have a pastor. I, I don't have a friend that I can trust that knows God. How can they reach you? You can either call 786-565-6916. And I'll repeat that 786-565-6916. Or you can go to my website, which is www.drlydiamartinez.com. And really quickly, I just want to offer one more phone number. If you're listening today and you are in a situation where you are at risk of being injured, if there's a violence in the home, if you don't feel safe, there's a national domestic hotline that you can call, and that number is 1-800-799-7233. And I hope that you don't continue to suffer. There's a lot of very sick people in this world, and unfortunately, there's a lot of marriages suffering with domestic violence. You have resources and help out there. Call the domestic violence hotline and get help. They have English and Spanish, and they're open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Great. How about you close us in prayer, Lisa? All right. Lord, we pray, Father, that as we know that our marriages should be a reflection of your love for us. There's so much brokenness in each one of us, Father God. Lord, I pray for the one suffering 
and who's given up all hope or who maybe is praying about what to do because it seems nothing is changing and nothing's getting better. Lord, would you touch them, lead them to the right place, give them wisdom and fill them with your spirit. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, friends, thank you so much for listening. And if you know somebody who maybe is going through a hard time in a relationship and this might be a help, I encourage you to share this with others. Post it on your social media. Do you follow us on social media? We have an Instagram. It's faithwithfriends underscore podcast. So I hope that you'll follow us and like and subscribe. Until next time. Thanks for joining us for today's Faith with Friends podcast. We hope you will like and subscribe as we continue the conversation. Follow us on Instagram at Faith with Friends. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you forward to your friends so our circle will continue to grow?